attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates, episode by episode, the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which ran on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I'm your host, Corporal Captain Rob Kelly, and uh, this is our special wrap-up mail call episode. Uh, We've uh, finished season one of MASH, and now it's time to respond to all the awesome feedback that I've gotten over the course of the first season of the show. So let's start off with some iTunes reviews. First up, we have a review from Darth Hawkeye. He says, uh, he or she says, yes, 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 five stars. My favorite podcaster doing a podcast about my favorite show. My belly button has been puckering and unpuckering throughout the entire amazing episode. Thank you, Rob, for undertaking this Herculean task. I tip a grip knee-high to you, sir. Can't wait to serve this tour of duty with you leading us. Who knows? Maybe I can guest on a season four episode show may your lips remain ever hot thank you darth hawkeye that was a lot of mash references in in a couple of sentences i appreciate it next uh, review is uh, five stars this podcast is great that is all by dr g man of nerdology rob kelly and the fire to water network are at it again this time they are ticking on the much loved mash tv series if you are as much a fan of mash growing up as i was then this will be a nostalgic treat for you thank you dr g Next is another great FW show from Nerdy Love 1997. Remember when you were in school and a teacher's unabashed love for a subject was so infectious that you grew to love it too? That's what it's like to listen to Rob talk about MASH. His fondness for it takes you back to the crazy world of the 477 and makes you wish that the show was still streaming on Netflix. Attention all personnel, don't miss this show. Thank you. Chuck Coletta says, attention incoming great podcast. Rob Kelly, podcasting virtuoso, explores MASH, legendary sitcom, in this excellent podcast. In depth and good-natured conversations reveal why this series ranks as one of the best in TV history. This podcast is a wonderful addition to the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Drink a glass of grape knee high while listening to this fun show. Thank you, Chuck. Master Villain says, from a casual MASH fan, five stars. I grew up with MASH, watched it a lot as a kid, and saw the final episode when it aired with, along with everyone else on Earth. Then I kind of forgot about it, though I never lost respect for it. This podcast is a great way to rediscover the series, and I'm getting a whole new level of appreciation for how great and timeless it really is. Rob and his co-hosts really know their stuff, and it's amazing to hear all of their insights about the production of the show, as well as their thoughts on how each episode fits into the larger series. My only complaint, it doesn't come out often enough. I'm following along with the DVD of Season 1, and I want to watch more MASH, so get on it, guys. Seriously, though, thank you for another amazing podcast on the Firewater Network. Keep it coming. Thank you, Master Villain. Uh, Mort23 says, love it. I just recently got into MASH and with the help of this podcast, and since the full series is now streaming on Hulu, I can now enjoy it fully. Lola Bell 17 says, great show about a great show. Deep dive into MASH, one of the greatest TV series ever. Rob's vast knowledge and enthusiasm for the show gave me a new appreciation for this old favorite. Each show has great guests that make for a great conversation and new information and insight. If you like MASH, you'll love it. Thank you, Lola. Indie Who says, five stars, attention all personnel. Due to a lack of MASH on TV, Rob Kelling is bringing it to us in podcast form. Join Rob and a new guest every episode as they cover the entire series from the very beginning, one episode at a time. 
Rob has an innate knowledge of the show and can tell you how each episode affected him back in the day and now. He and his guests will provide behind-the-scenes info and when possible, and they will also tell you what the guest stars, writers, and directors have done since their work, the latest episode being covered. I look forward to every episode of the show and enjoy finding out things I didn't know. I am patiently awaiting my own turn to guest on the show with Rob. That is all. Thank you. Uh, it's from Brian Hughes, actually, uh, a.k.a. Third Degree Burn. Thank you, Brian. Hey, we got a two-star review. Not reading that one. And then finally, we got a five-star review from Any Scott 81 who says, MASH 477 forever. Great podcast with amazing insight back and forth between the host and the guests. Being a huge MASH fan, it's awesome to hear people here share that love for the best show ever on TV. Thank you all for those amazing comments. I really appreciate it. And, of course, if you want to leave a review of the show, go to iTunes and leave us a review. And if you are leaving a review from another country, please let me know because sometimes I forget to check. Uh, there might be reviews from other countries, and, and those things are easy to overlook if you're not looking in you know the country that you're coming from. So uh, thank you again, everybody, for those awesome reviews. I really appreciate it. So the way I'm going to organize, organize this is – I'm going to go and I've been – since we have 24 episodes to cover, I don't want to go through every single episode. I think that would be a little long. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cherry pick just some comments from specific episodes of the first season and just go from there. And then, of course, I will thank everybody who left a comment one way or the other at the end. But, but I want to get to just some specific comments here. And I'm going to start with the promo, the MASHcast promo. We've got a comment from Chuck Galetta who says, thanks for the early Xmas present. How many podcasts can one man do? That's a good question, Chuck. We'll have to see. I, I always feel like I there, I have more ideas than I have time for, but uh, I'm glad I made time for this, so thank you. Uh, regarding MASHcast number one, MASH the pilot, Paul Wildenberger says, Thank you, Rob, for listening to the masses and starting this MASH podcast. I've been enjoying many of the fine podcasts on the Fire and Water Network, but this is the one I was most excited about. A friend of mine recently asked on Facebook what his friend's favorite television shows were. While I am a comic book and science fiction fan, first and foremost, the show to top my list was MASH. Like Rob, I was also 12 when the final episode aired. My parents and sister liked the show well enough, but they were watching something else upstairs. Did anything else, did anything else air that night? About 30 minutes before it came on, I grabbed some snacks and a soda, went downstairs to our finished basement, and plopped myself down at Dad's recliner to watch the last show. I wasn't quite two when MASH aired its pilot episode, so, so as far as I knew, it was always around. I probably didn't really start watching until around season seven. By that time, though, the first seasons were in syndication, and I know I was watching those after school. Me too. It was interesting uh, to learn why the show was moved on the schedule to pair it with CBS's bigger shows. I am so glad it did. While I enjoy it now, I can see definitely why the first season was not as popular. For the same reason, I am sure I would not have been as big a fan if I had not started with the episodes from later seasons. It took a couple seasons for MASH to find its voice. All the elements were there from the beginning. They just didn't gel, for me at least, in that first season or maybe two. During that brief period it was on Netflix, I binge-watched the entire series over the course of about four months. My wife and teenage children would watch occasional episodes with me, and I was pleasantly surprised to find my children enjoy the show. It is nice to know that the show from 46 to 35 years ago, or is that 100, still has the ability to entertain new viewers. One episode per podcast, one podcast per month. That should take you through January 2039, and then begins... After MASHcast, um, yeah, probably not going to get to that. Uh, but, but uh, of course, you'll be happy to know that the, the show did increase in, uh, in frequency, and it, it basically became a weekly show. Because, yes, Paul, I realized that, that it was just going to take way too long to get through MASH. I didn't want to... I didn't want to take all that long because I was having a lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, the when when as far as I as far as I have planned, uh, when when Mashcast is actually running, it will be a weekly show, so we can get through an entire season in essentially twenty four weeks. Uh, regarding uh, Mashcast episode two, which was to market to market, Iced D says. If you're looking through an episode guide after the previous podcast, it turns out I missed a bunch of season one episodes, including this one. 
You and Max did a great job with this episode, and I particularly enjoyed the Vietnam-era stories Max shared from his dad. Robert Ito will forever be immortalized to me as Professor Hitka in The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. There's a film and water episode for you. If you gentlemen will excuse me, I need to see a man about a desk. Episode 4, which was Chief Surgeon Who, got a comment from Groovy Mike Decker, who says, Another great episode with another delightful guest star. Welcome to the swamp, Mr. X. Rob, being a 70s kid, means that MASH and I grew up together. It's one of the shows, along with Star Trek, that my whole family would watch and rewatch together. We were lucky to have a VCR back when the final episode was broadcast. I recorded it, and my brother and I watched it so many times we wore out the tape. Your MASH at 45 crossover with Nostalgia Theater brought back some fond memories. When I learned you'd be hosting a regular podcast about the series, I knew I'd have to get my hands on some episodes again. Thanks to a good deal at Walmart, I now own a complete set on DVD and have watched through Season 10. It amazes my wife, who grew up in Mexico City and never saw the series, that I can still quote whole episodes worth of dialogue without missing a beat. That's a testament to the great writers and actors who made MASH something very special for its time and all time. Now for my one of only complaint about your podcast. What's taking so damn long? I really wish you'd pick up the pace a little. You've got 11 seasons to cover and you've barely scratched the surface. I don't feel the series will really try until season two. Thanks always for producing another excellent podcast on my favorite network. Well, thank you, Mike. And as you know, I said I have addressed that complaint about uh, how fast we're getting through the show. Uh, regarding episode seven, which was Bananas, Crackers, and Nuts, Ryan Daly from our network says, Can't offer anything on this episode of MASH, but it reminded me of maybe my favorite Alan Alda line on 30 Rock. I'm not used to being spoken to this way. I'm a contest winner. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, 30 Rock is one of my all-time favorite TV series. I'd put it in my top ten, maybe even top five. And I think Alan Alda's uh, series of episodes on 30 Rock remain uh, maybe my favorite thing he's done outside of MASH. Um, they are just drop dead hilarious, and in fact, um, the one episode that he did, the uh, the we need a kidney a kidney now episode, I believe it was called, features a mash joke that is my favorite mash joke in all of pop culture. Uh, and the episodes are so good, I have contemplated doing a special side episode just on the Alan Alda episodes of Thirty Rock. I feel like the the connection to mash is so strong that it might be worthy of inclusion here on MASHcast. I haven't made my decision yet, but but yeah, the, every line Alan Alda has in, on those 30 Rocks are just dropped at Hilary. So thank you for pointing them out. They're just great. Uh, regarding Episode 9, Henry Please Come Home, Earth 2 says, enjoying these recaps, wish I had Hulu or the box set. These may be an un- this may be an uninformed question, but you have but as you have a terrific knowledge of Mash, was just wondering if there ever is any mention of Hawkeye and After Mash or Trapper John M D beyond a casual reference to the war or his practice in Maine. As did he ever settle down, have kids, etc. Um, After Mash, I've seen every episode, and I've seen them recently enough to know that yes, there are references to Hawkeye, but there is no there are no references to him as to what he's doing at that point. I think. If memory serves, there was a hope that maybe at some point down the line they would get Alan Alda to do the show. And I think they probably if, – if they were thinking that, I, I don't know whether that was really ever a possibility or not, whether that was something they wanted and never really ran it by Alan Alda. Because as far as I ever saw from any quotes from Alan Alda, he wanted to leave Hawkeye in Korea. So I couldn't imagine that he would do Aftermath. But let's just pretend that they thought maybe they could get him. I think probably if they established via some line of dialogue what he was doing, that would hem them in for a later storyline if they did want to bring Hawkeye in. So I think they mention him in, in reference to being at the 477, but I don't, you never hear anything contemporary. And Trapper John M.D., even though I watched the show as a kid, I've never really seen it since. I do remember they did occasionally mention Hawkeye, but again, I don't think they ever mentioned as what he was doing 
at that time. I think I remember there were episodes where the Pernell Roberts character, Trapper, would be talking to Gregory Harrison, and he said, you know, me and my pal Hawkeye when we were in Korea, dot, dot, dot. So I think every reference to Hawkeye was talking about what it was like during the Korean War, not in contemporary times, at least. That's what that's uh, my memory serves me. But thank you for the question, Ruth, too. Uh, episode 12, Dear Dad, we got a comment from Charles Coletta, who says, Nice episode. If you ever need a guest to defend Frank Burns, let me know. I totally understand Corey's ambivalence towards the character. His combination of ineptitude, pettiness, and arrogance provided a nice foil to Hawkeye and the good guys. I don't think he could have sustained over 11 seasons, as did Margaret, when they dropped the hot lips part. But he was a good villain during the early years. Unfortunately, the world is filled with Frank Burns's who get a little power and use it to shore up their own sense of inadequacy. My take has always been, if you're wondering who the Frank Burns is at your workplace, Place, be careful because it may be you. Yeah, wise words, Chuck. Um, I will say one of the places I worked at relatively recently had a kind of Frank Burns type who wasn't so much like a suck up. Well, no, actually, he he was. Uh, <laughs> it was just someone who felt like the company could do no wrong and was willing to defend what the company did in every case because he was just such a company person. And he felt very frank. He was he was a nice enough guy, but he felt very Frank Burnsy to me because he was just so. Uh, just, you know, my team is the right team, and if, and if you don't like it, you can leave, that kind of thing. I just, I never understood that mentality. Regarding the special episode, the Movie Tonight episode where Sean Ross and I covered the uh, dire comedy, The Extraordinary Seaman, starring, <laughs> sorry, starring Alan Alda, Brian Linton left this comment. Take two general stars out of petty cash because you both deserve promotions after that one. This movie, I can't even bring myself to type the name, may not have drawn any laughs, but this episode certainly did and in a good way. I really appreciate the effort both of you made to give this film a fair and honest review without just trashing it. What really hurts is that you can see the potential for a good movie in both the cast and concept. It's a shame that the potential wasn't realized. I'm looking forward to the next MASH movie tie-in mini episode. Yeah, we didn't get around to another one for this first season, but there are other MASH-related movies that I do want to cover, so it's just a matter it's a matter of sort of getting organized and finding a guest who would want to talk with me over uh, some of these movies. I have I can think of at least two other movies that feature a dual MASH cast members in the movie cast, so that I want to cover them at some point. So, again, thank you, Brian. Um, yeah, it's hard to say that movie's title. Uh, <laughs> regarding episode 13, Edwina, my pal Chris Franklin from our network says, I turned on to Amanda's podcast after her guest spot on Film and Water, and I really dig it. I never thought I would be interested in listening about a made-for-TV beach movie with Suzanne Summers, but I did, and I liked it. I need to check out some of her commentary tracks. Good on her for breaking through and actually getting paid for her geek-specific knowledge. Yeah, I, it's it's weird. I mean, us podcast it's not like the, the podcasting community is one homogenous group, but at the same time, I do feel like seeing Amanda on these commentary tracks for these movies, it's like one of us made good. Uh, so I'm, I'm like sort of like perversely proud of her, even though it's not like I had anything to do with it or that she did it all on herself and she's terrific. But, but yeah, Amanda, uh, her show made for TV mayhem manages to make um, these really obscure pieces of, of TV arcana sound interesting. She was terrific. And I was so glad to have her on the show. Uh, regarding episode 15, Tuttle, Ben Perlman says, This is one of my favorite episodes. I always love the way Henry and Frank keep acting like they knew Tuttle and how we saw Sparky. Nice touch with his ending credit, Captain Tuttle as himself. Thank you for all your hard work on this podcast series. Well, thank you, Ben. 
regarding episode 16, The Ringbanger. Jason Pope says, great episode as always, Rob. I remember this episode of MASH clearly. I particularly loved your story about Loretta Sweat. It's so wonderful when you get an experience with a celebrity that lives up to and even surpasses your expectations. Childhood heroes are important, and when their image is shaken, it's crushing, but when their greatness is confirmed, it can mean the world to you. For example, in comparison and contrast, I was lucky enough to meet Sam Jones last weekend, a.k.a. Flash Gordon. He was amazing and such a nice guy. I wish I had a story like yours with Loretta Sweat. Hearing that made my heart feel good. Well, thank you, Jason. Yeah, it really is like probably like my favorite celebrity story of all time. She was just could not have been sweeter. So yeah, and I'm always happy to to tell it because it's just again it's one of my like great moments from my life. So thank you for writing in. Regarding episode 19, the Long John Flat, Randall says, I hate the assembly of this episode, much like the Hawkeye Needs a Boot episode or the staff answers letters from a third grade episode. I find the assembly of each major star getting his or her own six minutes on the screen, never to be seen again, to feel like it was a contractual requirement, either by the actor or the agent. It makes for a very disjointed show. You say durable comic premise. I say clumsy collection of jumbled scenes gathered to appease actors or agents. I never saw the radar scene as radar coming off as a ladies' man. In my opinion, he is impressed that the cook thinks he's a ladies' man, so he spews out some things he may have picked up in magazines or books. That is why the lamb wins out over the girl. His first love is not women, but food. Wasn't it amazing that the long johns fit perfectly on everyone who wore them? Hawkeye, Trapper, Henry, Frank, uh, and the good father off camera? In pioneer days, it was not uncommon for a kitchen to be detached from the house. Kitchens had a knack of catching fire in those days, so it was better to lose the kitchen than the whole house. I guess the camp thought it was better to lose the kitchen than endanger the lives of scores of chow hounds. I never knew any of that, uh, Randall. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a really good piece of information. Thank you. That makes that makes a lot of sense because, of course, you've got a lot of you know you got a flame and heat going on in the kitchen. So it, it, that makes total sense. So thank you. For episode 23, we got a comment from Tim Price. Uh, the episode was Ceasefire, and he says, This one didn't seem that familiar on rewatch, but the bits with Klinger selling his dresses brought it back. Far was still kind of finding his feet for the role, but I always appreciate more Klinger in the show. Slowly moving train wreck is a great way to describe the story, although I wonder if the show's precarious standing with the network made this a hard one to shoot, kind of like staring into the abyss of cancellation. Uh, yeah, Tim, I've I've heard about that on other shows where it's like they know or they think they know that they're going to about to be canceled. I can't imagine bringing the energy you have to bring to a performance knowing you're probably going to be wrapping it up or something. And there's even been worse examples where like a show has been canceled, but they still have to film episodes or something. I can't imagine how depressing that's going to be. So um, thank you for the comment. And then finally, um, episode 24, which was Showtime. We got a comment from Randall who said, very enjoyable episode. Every time we watch the episode, my wife has to say, they're wearing wigs when the lady singers come on. Joey Foreman was a very funny man who, who uh, whose life ended much too soon. Two of my favorite Monkeys episodes starred him. One called Captain Crocodile, as Joey is the host of a children's show, who is threatened by the Monkeys being on his show. In Monkey Chow Mein, Joey's back in Chinese garb as he runs a spy ring in the back room of a Chinese restaurant. MASH Connection, Monkey Chow Mein has a small part for Mike Farrell as a government agent. Very cool. I like that. That's a, I, I love hearing about stuff like that, so thank you, Randall. So um, those are the specific comments I wanted to get into for the uh, first season. I do want to thank everybody who left a comment, and that's uh, – so I'm going to go through everybody who, who was nice enough to go to Fire and Water Podcast com and leave comments on any of the episodes of this first season. So big thanks to Ange, Lee Asif, Lieutenant Russell Burbage, Diogo Casquilho, 
Charles Coletta, Groovy Mike Decker, Earth 2, Chris Franklin, Bob Gassel, Dan Greenfield, Paul Hicks, Ken Hommel, Ice Diddy, Luke Giaconetti, Ted Kilvington, Michael Lane, Chris Lewis, Brian Linton, Aaron Head Moss, Ben Perlman, Jason Pope, Tim Price, Nicholas Prom, Randall, Clinton Robinson, Max Romero, Mark Ross, Scott X, Siskoid, Santaron, Ward Hill Terry, Gord Tolton, Benjamin A. White, Paul Wildenberger, and Zoom Yukonori. Uh, in terms of the questions, I, I said if anybody had a question about the show, they could write in. And Danny Ulrich wrote into Fire and Water Podcast to come and asked, Love the show, and I'm also a lifetime fan of MASH. Uh, my question to you is, have you ever imagined what happened to everyone after the war ended? Pretend the after MASH show did not exist, and if so, what? That's a great question, Danny. Uh, yeah, I have thought about that. I mean, my nerd brain tends to like write the whatever happened to stories. And I always sort of imagine that, that MASH could have spun off a very successful, like hour long medical drama. Now, one idea I had was like Sidney Friedman. I always thought Sidney Friedman could have gotten his own Lou Grant type psychological drama show after MASH went off the air. But if, if they didn't do that, I always thought they could have done kind of similar to what they ended up doing with Trapper John MD, where you had one of the MASH characters running a hospital and then, you know, you contrive different reasons why other MASH members showed up. So I always sort of pictured Winchester, Major Winchester, of course, because as we know he goes back to Boston to become head of thoracic surgery at Boston General. And, you know, you knew that Margaret uh, was a character that was sort of bopping around from place to place at the end of MASH. So I could have imagined she shows up to maybe be like the head of nursing or something. And then uh, they did establish that Trapper uh, was from Boston, and then of course Hawkeye being from Maine wasn't that far away. And I, you know, I mean, obviously it's all very contrived, but I always thought that there was a possibility that Mash could have spun off a show similar to Lou Grant. I think the material was there, um, so that's sort of what I imagine. That might not be exactly what you're asking in terms of what happens to the characters outside of them being in another TV show. Certainly Frank Burns, there was enough comments about Frank Burns saying that he was going to write a book about his experiences with MASH. Considering how the McCarthy hearings basically happened right after the Korean War, I totally could picture Frank Burns writing some sort of expose book about you know the, the anti-American goings-on at the 477th, and it like gets Hawkeye in trouble and, and uh, BJ in trouble and maybe even Colonel Potter in trouble because – you know, he really feeds into that sort of like right-wing commu- communist paranoia that was going on at the time. Frank Burns is sort of perfectly lined up for that kind of storyline. Um, I suppose the others, no, not really. I haven't thought about what happens to most of them. I always assume that Hawkeye and BJ, you know, stay in contact and get together. That's what I like to think, at least. Uh, and again, now, you know, they did do Aftermath, so to me it's hard for me to get rid of that in my mind. Although I am always bothered by the fact that uh, the three characters in Aftermath never got like a goodbye. They never did an Aftermath final episode. The show was just got just got canceled, which I thought was an ignominious end for three of the greatest TV characters to ever exist. So, But anyway, Danny, thank you for the question. And then the last thing I want to say about season one is I want to thank everyone who came on and was a guest. I mean, that's what makes the show possible is coming on and getting to talk to all these cool people about these episodes. So I want to thank Russell Burbage, Corey Drew, Dan Greenfield, Zachy Hassan, Ken Holtzhauser, Kevin Lauderdale, Sean M. Myers, Nicholas Prom, Amanda Reyes, Max Romero, Sean Ross, and Scott X. I really enjoyed talking to every single one of you about MASH, and I really appreciate you volunteering to come on and talk about the shows. And I look forward to talking to you all in uh, Season 2. Uh, before we get to Season 2, though, there is one last thing I want to do, and this is an idea that I wasn't going to do, but I stole it from Ryan Daly when he did it for his mid-season Cheers mailbag slash uh, ranking uh, episode. Uh, I just feel like 
uh, it's too fun not to try and rank the episodes season by season. So I'm going to, what I'm about to do here is I'm going to give you my list of the first season of MASH. I'm not saying this is necessarily uh, qualitatively the best episodes or the worst episodes, but these are probably like my favorite. So I, if I had to put them in a list, this is how I would arrange season one. And I'm going to start from the bottom. So I'm going to go from the least favorite episode to my favorite episode of uh, season one. So we're going to start off with Major Fred C. Dobbs, then the Long John Flap, Love Story, Cowboy, Bananas, Crackers, and Nuts, Germ Warfare, I Hate a Mystery, Showtime, The Moose, Requiem for a Lightweight, Dear Dad, The Ring Banger, Mash the Pilot, Sticky Wicket, Edwina, Yankee Doodle Doctor, Henry Please Come Home, Dear Dad Again, Tuttle, To Market to Market, Cease Fire, Chief Surgeon Who, Sometimes You Hear the Bullet, and the Army-Navy Game. That is, again, I don't think anybody would argue that Sometimes You Hear the Bullet isn't the best episode of Season 1, but the Army-Navy Game is such a favorite that I, I ranked it number one of Season 1. So what I plan to do is at the end of Season 2, I will integrate those Season 2s into Season 1, and then we'll just keep going on until eventually I have a complete, like Ryan is going to do with Cheers, a complete ranking of all 251 mashes. So uh, that's a... Uh, an ongoing project. Uh, if you disagree with my rankings, let me know. Go to the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and, and give me your choices of what you think are maybe the best or the worst of season one. And so I guess uh, it's time to wrap up. Um, the last thing is to talk about season two. I already have all the guests lined up for season two. I'm very, very personally touched by everybody who reached out and wanted to be part of season two. I actually had more guests than I do episodes. But uh, so that's that's a good problem to have, I guess. Uh, I'm really, really, again, touched that so many people want to be involved in the show. So I'm not ready to announce when season two is going to start. I'm kind of superstitious that way. I like to start getting the episodes recorded and sort of banked and ready before I actually announce uh, dates. But it won't be too long. I've been enjoying MASH, MASHcast so much that I really want to get back to season two as soon as possible. Originally, as you all know, I did it one per month and then I increased it to two per month and then I eventually just took over the film and water slot doing MASH every week and I've just been enjoying it so much. So for a little while I'm going to be running some new film and waters and then we're going to get right into MASH season two. So watch the film and water podcast website and also the Twitter feed, which is MASH for 7th Cast, for the official announcement of when Season 2 of MASHcast is going to launch. So I guess that's going to do it. Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. I've been having a lot of fun. I can talk about MASH in my sleep, and uh, I hope it doesn't sound that way, but uh, I, I've just been having an enormous amount of fun. I'm really looking forward to Season 2. For my money, uh, MASH Seasons 2 through 5, there is not a single bad episode for four seasons straight. I think it's one of the greatest hot streaks in television history, and uh, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to Season 2. I mean, Season 1 actually was a lot better than I sort of remember going through them one by one. There really were only a handful of ones that I don't think are that great, uh, and that was because, you know, I, I... Got that new consideration because I went over it, you know, episode by episode again and, and listened to all of my guests and everybody's opinions. And, and I realized season one is, again, I got a lot more going on than I initially gave it credit for. But I am dying to get to seasons two, three, four, and five. It's going to be tremendous. So, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. And until season two, that is all.
he would tell me about all the large houses and expensive cars <laughs> and how the young people waste their time watching television and listening to rock and roll music. What's wrong with television? Not all television. MASH was okay and the old Mary Tyler Moore show.